the book of Psalm, chapter 145. Psalms, chapter 145. Our theme in our church this year is taken from the book of Ephesians, and be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. And uh, on Sunday mornings, in our normal Sunday morning services, we're going through the book of Ephesians, and so we'd love to encourage you to uh, come back next Sunday as we continue uh, going through our series in the book of Ephesians. We're in Ephesians chapter 4, and I'd love to have you be a part uh, of that series. If you're looking for a church home or you don't have a place that you call home for a church, we'd love to have you come back and visit with us again. Uh, But again, just let me say thank you so much for being uh, part of our service today. In Psalms 145, uh, this is a Psalm of David, and we're going to read the entire chapter here. It's just 21 verses, uh, Psalms chapter 145. He says, I will extol thee, my God, O King, and I will bless thy name forever and ever. Every day will I bless thee, and I will praise thy name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise thy works to another and shall declare thy mighty acts. I will speak of the glorious honor of thy majesty and of thy wondrous works. And men shall speak of the might of thy terrible acts. And I will declare thy greatness. They shall abundantly utter the memory of thy great goodness and shall sing of thy righteousness. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion slow to anger and of great mercy. The Lord is good to all, and His tender mercies are over all His works. All thy works shall praise thee, O Lord, and thy saints shall bless thee. They shall speak of the glory of thy kingdom and talk of thy power, to make known to the sons of men His mighty acts and the glorious majesty of His kingdom. Thy kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and thy dominion endureth throughout all generations. The Lord upholdeth all that fall, And raises up all those that be bowed down. The eyes of all wait upon thee, and thou givest them their meat in due season. Thou openest thy hand and satisfiest the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and holy in all his works. The Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon him, to all that call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of them that fear him. He also will hear their cry and will save them. The Lord preserveth all them that love him, but all the wicked will he destroy. My mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord, and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your word. Lord, what a great psalm this is just to to look at the greatness of God. Lord, I pray this morning, Lord, that our hearts have been prepared through the singing. Lord, just lifting up your name, looking to you this morning. And Father, I pray that you would just work. Lord, I know there's been so many hours of preparation and, and the service, and Lord, we ask that you would just work as only you can. We pray that you'd speak to hearts. Lord, we do pray if there might be someone that may not know Jesus Christ as their Savior, you'd help them to come to know you today. Lord, we pray for those that may be discouraged this morning and just uh, they need that encouragement. I pray that they would just look to you and just see the greatness of God. And Lord, they'd be encouraged through that today. Lord, whatever the need is, I pray that you would meet it this morning as only you can. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. This is a great chapter. It's one of the chapters as we get to the end of the book of Psalms. Of course, Psalms has 150 uh, chapters, but these last few Psalms that we find are what we would consider Psalms of praise. It's all about praising God. It's all about lifting up the name of God. And uh, that's what we want to do today. We're just wanting to lift up the name of God. And in Psalm chapter 145, verse 3 is just a powerful verse. Notice what he says, Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and His greatness unsearchable. What a verse. Great is the Lord. Can I say, if, if, if that's all that we had right there in that verse, that's all we would need. Great is the Lord. He is so great. He is so good. And greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. Can I say, if there's one thing that I love talking about is the greatness of God. Just to talk about how great our God is. Just His greatness. I could, I could talk for hours of His goodness and His greatness in my life. And we, we look through the Word of God and we can see just the, the greatness and the goodness of God. I wonder... Do you know the greatness of God in your life today? Do you truly know how great our God is? And when I say our God, I'm not just talking about any God. I'm talking about the true God. There's only one God. And we know that that one God is manifested in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, the Godhead. And we're talking about that God this morning. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. May I say that God has been so good to this church as well. For 73 years, this church has seen the greatness of God at work. I'm telling you, just to think of the history of this church in 73 years, where God has brought it from and how God continues to bless and, uh, and just seeing the faithfulness of men of God, uh, seeing the faithfulness of members of this church year after year after year, just being faithful in serving God and faithful in following Him and trusting Him and, and just looking to Him. Man, that's a testimony of the greatness of God. It's not about the church, it's about our God. I'm so thankful for this church. I mean, uh, yesterday we had a, a church work day and we had so many people from the church here cleaning the church and getting everything ready for today and setting up. I mean, and, and just no complaints, just everybody just pitching in and just helping. And I'm telling you, this is, the, I love this church. It's a great church. But more than this church, we serve a great God. It's not about this church, it's about our God. When you think about this, his greatness, you know, many times when we think about greatness, we think greatness means that that person or whatever we're looking at as being great is separated from everything else that is not great, right? I mean, we th think about great people and we're like, well, they're just, they're different than everybody else. You know, I, we think about men in the Bible. We think about different ones that God used like Moses and David and, and Paul and these. And we think, man, those were great men of God. And, and sometimes when we say this idea of greatness, it, it's almost like there's a, there's a distinction between those people and us. Like we could never be them because they're great. And when we think about the greatness of God, 
and, and that he is not like any other God that people have tried to invent. And we can think, man, because God is so great, then, then he, is, he is set apart from, from everything else. And yes, he is holy. We understand that. And he is right, righteous. But can I say this morning that his greatness does not make him unapproachable. The greatness of God, we would think because he is so great, that we would not be able to approach a great God. You think of people that have power in our society. You think about maybe the governor of the state. For anybody just to try to go in and talk to the governor, it's probably not going to go well, right? You're going to have to try to call, and you're going to have to make an appointment, and even then it's probably not going to go well, right? You may not even be able to see him. If you were to try to see the president of the United States, uh, that's going to be hard to do, right? You're, you might have to make an appointment and it's, it might be years down the road. And we just think, well, it's because their position, you know, they just don't have time for people. I mean, they're, they're doing so many different things. They don't have time for, for every single person. And I understand that. But here's the thing about our God. He is so great and yet he still has time. Our God is so great that he has time not just for certain people, but our God is so great he has time for each and every person. His greatness does not make him unapproachable. In fact, just the opposite. In most religions, their God is not approachable. You have to stand away from him. You can't know him on a personal basis. But our God, our God is not like that because he is so great. We are able to approach him with confidence because he is so great. He says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He's not afraid to have us close to him. He's not afraid to have us know him because he knows the closer that we are to him the more we know him the more we'll see just how great he is and he says come I'm telling you we serve a great God he's not like any other God great is the Lord and greatly to be praised his greatness is unsearchable I want to share a couple things with you this morning from the book of Psalms about the greatness of God Again, today is not about First Baptist Church, although we thank God for the faithfulness of many members of this church, and we thank God that uh, what the blessings of God and being in a new building, and, and we praise God for that. But look, friend, today, it's about Him. It's about Him. It's about how good our God is, how great He is, and what He does, and may I say this morning, what He wants to do through you. As great as our God is, he wants to do something through your life today. You say, well, you're the pastor. He's going to use you. No, no, no. I didn't just say me. I said he wants to use you. Our God is so great. His desire is to use each and every one of us. Notice some things about the greatness of God that we find in this chapter. And I would encourage you, maybe tonight or maybe sometime this week, just to go through Psalms 145 and just go verse by verse and meditate upon this chapter. It is absolutely amazing. It's such an amazing chapter. When I was reading through this, I was like, a couple weeks ago, I told our church, I said, I have no idea what, what God's going to have me preach. I was, honestly, I was a little concerned because it was coming down. I don't know why God keeps doing this to me, but it seems like it comes down to the last minute, right? 
I mean, the build, the, the, all the doors and things, it was like the last minute the guys were here on Friday putting in the ceilings and the lights and stuff. I mean, last minute things. I'm like, Lord, please, I don't like this, right? I'd rather have it be done way, way in time. I was praying about this and I, I just, I wasn't sure what direction the Lord was going to lead in this. And then he, I read through Psalms 145 and I'm like, all right, Lord, I think I know the direction we're going here because it's not about First Baptist Church. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about our God, his greatness. Notice his greatness shared. His greatness is to be shared. Look in, look in verses 4 through 7. He says, one generation shall praise thy work to another and shall declare thy mighty acts. I will speak of the glorious honor of thy majesty and of thy wondrous works. And men shall speak of the might of thy terrible acts. And I will declare thy greatness. They shall abundantly utter the memory of thy great goodness and shall sing of thy righteousness. What's he talking about here? He's talking about the greatness of God being shared, being talked about, being, people being let known about the greatness of God. Notice, first of all, he says his greatness is to be shared generationally. Did you notice that? Generationally, in verse number four, one generation shall praise thy works to another. One generation shall praise thy works to another. It's important for the, the older generation to pass on to the younger generation about the greatness of God. Can I tell you, it's so important. When we, when we read scripture, we're able to read and, and we see like what David did and we see what Moses did and we see Joshua and we see Paul and we think, man, that's pretty amazing. And, and, and that is true. It is amazing. But can I tell you this morning, God has done amazing things in your lives. And, and there's a generation, maybe a little bit older than the current generation. Man, you ought to be talking about the greatness of God. You ought to be telling the younger generation and these teenagers and these young people just about how great our God is. Because if they don't hear it from you, who are they going to hear it from? If they don't hear how great our God is, you read in the book of Judges how one generation, it just took one generation for Israel to turn away from God. Why? Because the older generation didn't tell them about the greatness of God. It's so important that we talk about God's greatness. Man, we ought to be teaching the young people, hey, you ought to love God. You ought to want to serve God because he is so great. You, you can go to him at any time. Our God is great. And yet we come to church and, and we can sing about the greatness of God and we can read a passage about the greatness of God. But can I ask you this morning, do you share about the greatness of God? When's the last time you told somebody about how great your God was? When's the last time some of you older ones took some of these teenagers or young adults or some of these young people and just said, hey, let me just tell you how great God has been in my life. Let me just tell you about all the great things God has done. I mean, I can remember, you know, back in, in, in 19, and I'm not going to fill in the blank there for you, all right? Man, God did something amazing. God was so good. Why, why does he say that generationally we ought to be talking about the greatness of our God? Hey, when we think about ball players and football players and baseball and basketball and things like that, we always talk about the great ones, don't we? We never talk about the ones that didn't do anything. We always talk about the great ones. If, if I was to say, you know, who is the greatest basketball player to ever live, and no doubt there might be a little bit of a debate here, but I'm sure, no doubt, one person's name would come up in the conversation being Michael Jordan. Why do we talk about him? Because he was great. He's an amazing ball player, right? 
We have no problem talking about great ball players. But can I tell you, our God's a lot greater than a ball player. Why don't we talk about the greatness of our God? Why aren't we talking about that generationally with these younger people? Again, do you understand that every church is only one generation from extinction? There's one generation from being gone if we do not speak about the greatness of our God. I love what he says here in verse 6. And men shall speak of the might of thy terrible acts. Now, the word terrible here doesn't mean terrible in what we think is like horrible. It means awesome. It means amazing. We're going to speak about the amazing acts of God. He says, I will declare thy greatness, right? We serve an awesome God. And so generationally, we ought to be sharing about the greatness of God. But also personally, look what he says in verse number five. I will speak of the glorious honor of thy majesty. He says, yes, generationally, one generation ought to tell another generation, and we ought to be speaking about it. He says, hey, hey, let me tell you something. Personally, every one of us ought to be speaking about the greatness of God. David said, I will speak of his greatness. I'm going to make sure it's not just others that are speaking about his greatness. I'm going to speak about his greatness. I'm going to make sure that I tell somebody else about the greatness of our God and how good he is. I will do it. I will speak. We say, well, that's the pastor's job. He's supposed to speak of it. Or that's the missionary's job. They're supposed to speak of it. No, no, no. David said, I will speak of it. It's personal. Look, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior today, then you know how great our God is. I will speak. I will speak, he says. We ought to have a desire to tell others about the greatness of our God and how good He is. It is our responsibility to share with other people that do not know the Lord how great our God is. Can I tell you something? If all they ever hear is the negative, if all they ever hear is the complaining, then when we come to try to share Jesus with them, what do you think they're going to do? I don't think they're going to be very receptive. They're not going to be very receptive at all. But if we are always talking about the greatness of God and the goodness of God in our life, and you say, but pastor, is, is God always good? Yes. He is always good. But pastor, you don't understand. I've had some difficult things happen in my life. I understand that. Look, just because you are a Christian, just because you believe in God, doesn't mean bad things aren't going to happen. We do live in a place called the world that is sin-cursed, and we go through life. Things happen. That doesn't mean that God's not good. We know that God is good because God can only do that which is good. He is a good and a righteous and holy God. And it is our responsibility to share with others about him. By the way, not only with people that do not know the Lord, but we ought to share about how great our God is with other Christians. We ought to talk about how great God has been in our life. Not just when something big like this happens at First Baptist Church where we, uh, where we get a new building. And, and man, I'm so thankful to, that the young people in our church, now obviously the babies are, aren't really going to remember this, but I'm so thankful that the young people in our church got to see what God did through this whole process of First Baptist Church getting into this building. I mean, it truly was the hand of God to be able to get us into this. I'm not going to say it was miraculous because it wasn't a miracle. Uh, it wasn't something that was, you know, just absolutely impossible, but the hand of God was through the whole thing. And I'm so thankful that our young people got to see that so that they can see how great our God is and that even as a church, they're able to remember and testify, man, I remember what God did there. 
And we ought to be testifying about the greatness of God. Generationally, personally, it's our responsibility. His greatness is to be shared. Why? Well, because secondly, his greatness is seen. Look what he says in verse number 8 and 9. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. Now, he's told us what we need to do. He says we need to, we need to extol him. We need to lift him up. He says, I'm going to bless him. I'm going to praise him, right? He says, but here's why, right? He says, because the Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and of great mercy. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. That's a powerful couple verses there. It's interesting, though, what David is saying here, because what David is doing, he's actually quoting almost exactly what God said back in the book of Exodus. When you go back to the book of Exodus chapter 34 and verse number 6, when God is speaking to Moses, God says that Moses was there, and as they were speaking, the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. God says, you want to know who I am? This is who I am. You want to know what kind of a God I am? This is who I am, merciful and gracious and long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth. I think David understood that. David understood these things, and that's why he quotes it here in Psalms 145. The Lord is gracious, full of compassion, slow to anger, of great mercy. He's good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. Think about these things that he says. Many times we can just read over words, but if you just take a moment to think about it, he says he's gracious. The Lord is gracious. Can I tell you this morning, it is only by the grace of God that we don't receive what we justly deserve. The Lord is gracious. He's gracious to us. The word gracious means favorable. He shows us His favor. Day after day after day, God shows us His favor. Year after year, His grace, His graciousness is upon us. He says, the Lord is gracious. He's compassionate, full of compassion. Aren't you glad that He is a compassionate God? He loves us even when we are unlovable. You say, well, I don't know about that. I'm pretty lovable. Well, (laughs) go look in the mirror. Or ask your wife (laughs) or your husband, right? No, we're unlovable. We're unlovable to a holy God. We didn't do anything right. We sinned against Him. And yet He still chooses to love us. When we have done nothing right, He still chooses to show His graciousness to us and His love to us. He is compassionate. Look what He says in verse number 14. He says, The Lord upholdeth all that fall and riseth up all those that be bowed down. He, those that fall, he says, those that are, that are, that are just wearied and, and beaten down, he says he has compassion on them. He, he lifts them up. Man, I'm so thankful that day after day we can go to, to God, and the Bible says that every day his mercies are new. 
His mercies are new every day. His greatness is, is, is going to be seen every day. And that's what he talks about here, uh, how God is going to show his greatness to us. He's long-suffering, slow to anger, slow to anger. I wonder how many of us can say that. I think many times we're just the opposite, aren't we? Instead of being slow to anger, we get angry immediately. Someone does something to us or says something about us or we see something posted on social media or whatever, and what do we do? We just immediately turn in anger. Turn to anger. Aren't you glad that God is slow to anger? Because let's face it, if he was a God that was quick to anger, we would all be gone. Come on. We would all be gone. But he is slow to anger. He's long-suffering. He's merciful. Of great mercy. Think about what he says. The Lord is of great mercy. Merciful. There's no mercy that can compare to the mercy that he has shown to us. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, there's no mercy compared to the mercy that he shows in salvation. We deserve to die and spend eternity separated from him because of our sin. The Bible tells us that it is our sin that has separated us from a holy and righteous God. It is our sin, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, the Bible says. Our sin has separated us from a holy and a righteous God. And yet he shows us his mercy, even though he knows that we deserve to, to be separated from him for all of eternity in the lake of fire. He shows mercy by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins. And that if we would, by faith, turn to him, by faith, if we would accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, then he would mercifully take away our sin and graciously give us this gift of eternal life. Look, I understand there's a lot of religions that teach different ways of getting to heaven and being with God. But the Bible says there's only one way. Look, it's not through a church. You're not going to be saved. You're not going to be with God just because you're in a church. You can be a faithful church member for years and years and years and still die and go to hell. You can be a good person and you can try to say, hey, well, I'm going to try to keep the Ten Commandments and I'm going to try to do all these right things and, and you can try to be good all of your life. And friend, can I tell you something? You're still going to die and go to hell because the Bible says there's none good, no, not one. And that means you and me, none good, no, not one. You say, well, I'll just, I'll get baptized. I'll have someone baptize me or I'll, I'll give in the offering and I'll give to the church. Friend, there is nothing that you and I can do to even remove one sin that we have. Not one Friend, if, if it was just as, as simple as, as being baptized or if it was as simple as joining a church or if it was as simple as trying to, to keep the Ten Commandments or being good, if it was as simple as that, then why would God have to send his son to this earth? 
Why would God send Jesus Christ to be born of a virgin in Bethlehem? Why would he live on this earth for 33 and a half years? Why would he bleed and die on a rugged cross if it was just about being baptized or if it was just about being a church member? Why would he die on the cross? Because there is only one way. There's only one way, and that is through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Look, I, I, I love First Baptist Church, but First Baptist Church is not going to take anybody to heaven. Not one person. Not one. And friend, you may think this morning that you're a good person and, and you may have come in here thinking, hey, I'm good because I go to church or I good beca- I'm good because I, I do kind things to people or I'm good because I try to keep the Ten Commandments or, or I'm good because of all these other different things because I was baptized and all this. Friend, let me tell you something this morning out of the kindness of my heart. There's only one way for you to be saved and that is through Jesus Christ. There is no other way. This is the mercy of God. Do you understand that we sinned against a righteous and a holy God, and God as a just and a righteous God demands a payment? There must be a payment that is made for sin, and a sinner cannot make the payment. We can't make the payment. For that sin to be paid for, it had to be a perfect sacrifice. And friend, that is why Jesus came. That is why Jesus came to this earth. Not just to live the example of how we're supposed to live, thinking that's going to help us. No, no. He came to die on that cross, to shed his blood for your sin and my sin, so that he would be able to die and, and, and for our sin, and then three days later, rise again, defeating death, so that he could offer us freely the gift of eternal life. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There's no other way. And friend, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, friend, on this day we would be so happy to take the Word of God and show you how you can have a personal relationship with this great God we're speaking of today. How you can know for sure that your sins are forgiven. You can know for sure that your home will be with the Lord Jesus Christ for all of eternity. Do you understand when he says he is full of mercy, he has of great mercy, this is what he's speaking about. Uh, I mean, he is just a merciful God. Even though we deserve to die and go to hell, his mercy is so great that he was willing to send his son. But may I say, as he says in verse number 20, the Lord preserveth all them that love him, but all the wicked will he destroy. Friend, may I say this morning, it's not just enough to know about Jesus. I know I grew up in, in a church. I grew up in a Christian home. My dad was a preacher. I heard, I heard Jesus from the time that I was just a baby. 
I heard all the stories. I heard about creation and Adam and Eve, and I heard about David and Goliath and Joshua and all the stories. I heard about Jesus dying on the cross. I heard about the apostles. I heard about the gospel. I heard that, that Jesus came to this earth and he died on the cross. I, I knew it all. I, I had heard all the stories. I knew it. I went to church. I had heard it all. But if I would have died, I would have gone straight to hell. Because just hearing about something doesn't mean anything. It's not about hearing it. You see, this is what Jesus, this is what the Word of God says. In Romans chapter 10 and verse number 13, he says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I knew about Jesus. I knew that he died on the cross. I went to church all my life. I was even in a Christian college. But if I would have died, I would have gone straight to hell. Because it's not just about knowing about Jesus. It's about having a personal relationship with him. And the only way, friend, you can have a personal relationship with Jesus is to call upon him. The only way you can have that personal relationship with Jesus is to admit that you are a sinner and that you need a Savior. You need Jesus Christ to save you from your sins and that there is no other way that you can be saved. And if you will confess that with your mouth, the Bible says, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. If you believe that Jesus Christ truly is the only one that can save you from your sin, it's not about a baptism. It's not about a church membership. It's not about the Ten Commandments. It's not about being good. It's only about Jesus Christ. And if you will believe that and by faith put your trust in him, then the Bible says you can be saved. But it's only through Him. Do you know for sure today? Do you know for sure that if you died, you'd be in heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ? Friend, if you don't, that is the most important decision you can ever make in your life. It's to know Jesus as your Savior. He's merciful. He desires. He says, come. He wants you to come to Him. He offers that gift of eternal life. But He's not going to force you to take it. It has to be your choice. You have to choose. Some of you were here a little bit before. There were some donuts on the tables in there. I can tell you this. I don't know that I saw anyone being forced to eat one. <laughs> now, I think they're pretty much all gone. I think there was over like 20 dozen donuts back there. There might be one or two left, maybe. But I don't remember seeing anybody being forced to eat one. Was anybody forced? Anybody? Yeah. So you chose to eat one. You chose to. You made that choice yourself. I mean, I say it's the same way with Jesus. He's not going to force you to receive him. It has to be your choice. You have to make that choice whether you will receive Jesus Christ or not. Would you do that today? Would you be willing to receive him and accept his mercy? He's good. Look at what he says. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. He is good to all. 
There is not one who God is not good to. Again, we don't have time to go through all of this, but in verse number 14, he helps those that that are inadequate. In verses 15 and 16, he provides for all creation. In verses 18 and 19, he answers for those who pray. In verse number 20, there's protection for those who are his. He is a good God. He is good to all, the Bible says, all. You say, well, I don't know that I can see his goodness in my life. You may not be able to see it right now, but I can tell you, you will see that he is a good God. You might be going through something that is difficult. Maybe you're, maybe you're weighted down. Maybe you're burdened down with an issue of life or, or a health issue or something. And you're saying, I just don't see how good God is. Friend, can I tell you, if you'll just look to Jesus, you'll see how good God is. You'll see how good he is. You'll see that there's nothing There's nothing that he does not do that is good. He's a good God. His greatness is seen. But may I say thirdly, his greatness is to be praised. Look what he says in verse number 10. All thy works shall praise thee, O Lord, and thy saints shall bless thee. All thy works shall praise thee. The Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God. You look up at night in the, in the stars, you see the stars, you see the moon, you see all of these different things. You know what? The heaven is declaring the glory of God. He's declaring who God is, that there is a God. And that God that took the time to create the stars and the moon and the planets and took the time to create the, the, the trees and the flowers and the birds and the animals, that God took time for you and he says, I want you to know me. I want you to know who I am. I want you to have that relationship with me. And his greatness is to be praised. All thy works shall praise thee. Thy saints shall bless thee. You know who the saints are? It's you and me. Now, I know there's some other religions that teach that you, have, you can only become a saint if they make you a saint. But let me tell you what God says. God says that when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he makes you a saint. God does it. You don't have to wait for a religion to do it. God says when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you immediately become a child of God. You are a saint. And David says the saints of God ought to be praising about God. The saints ought to be blessing him. The saints ought to be lifting up praise to him because of how great he is and how good he is to us. Look what he says in verse number one. I will extol thee, my God, O king. I will bless thy name forever and ever. He says, I'm going to lift up the name of God. I'm going to praise him. I'm going to lift him up. I'm going to bless him. He says in verse two, every day will I bless thee. I wonder how many days go by without us blessing him. How many days do do we allow go by without us ever lifting up the name of God and thinking about his greatness and his goodness? So many times what happens and something doesn't go our way, what do we do? We complain. Something doesn't go the way we want. We think God doesn't love us. We begin to blame God. We begin to criticize God. Let me tell you something. He says, no, no, no. You can't blame God. You can't criticize God because he is good. He is good. He says, therefore, every day will I bless thee. Can I tell you, if you start feeling down, if you start feeling discouraged, instead of just starting to, to, to simmer on that and start it to, to keep going in that direction, why don't you just turn around and say, God, I'm just going to praise your name today. I'm just going to bless you, God. I'm just going to talk about your greatness. I'm going to talk about your goodness. I guarantee you, your attitude will change. 
It'll change. Why? Because we're talking about God. We're talking about his greatness. It's not gonna be about me. It's gonna be about him. Every day will I bless thee. I will praise thy name forever and ever. I like that. Did you see what David said? I will praise thy name forever and ever. David didn't live on this earth forever and ever. But David knew where he was going to be. David said, as long as I'm here on this earth, I'm going to praise you. And by the way, he says, I also know that when I die and this physical body dies and I get to be with the Lord Jesus Christ and I get to be with God, I'm going to keep on praising him. I will praise thy name forever and ever. He says in verse 21, my mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord. Let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. I tell you this morning, you can't, you can't ever run out of the things to talk about God. You can't ever run out of the greatness and the goodness of God to talk about. There, there just, there's so many. You can go through the word of God. You can go through your life. You can go through another family member's life. You can just go on and on and on and just look at the greatness and the goodness of God. Why? Because he has shown it to us. And he says we need to share it with others. And then we need to praise him for it. We ought to praise him for his goodness. Praise him for his greatness. That's what we wanted to do today. Just praise him. Because it's all about him. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about this building. It's about him. It's about his greatness, his goodness. When's the last time you shared about his goodness? When's the last time you told somebody else about his greatness? Maybe you need to go back and remember his greatness. He says he's shown it. His greatness is seen in his graciousness and his mercy and his compassion and his long-suffering and all these different ways, his goodness. It's, it's seen if we'll just take the time to look and stop thinking about self, get out of our little pity party, start thinking about him. And when we do, guess what will happen? We'll praise him. We'll praise him. Lifting up the name of Jesus, talking about the greatness of our God, all thy works shall praise thee, O Lord. Thy saints shall bless thee. When you think about God, now be honest with me this morning. Don't, don't raise your hand or anything, but in your heart, I want you to think about this. When you think about our God today, do you see his greatness in your life? Do you see the goodness and the greatness of God? If you do, then let me ask you a question. Are you praising Him for it? Are you praising Him for it? Are you serving Him? Saying, Lord, you've been so good to me. How can I serve you? You've been so great in my life, God. How can I, how can I serve you? Just lift up His name. If we know the greatness and the goodness of God and we are not praising Him, we're not serving him. May I say this morning, friend, there's a heart problem there. Because we've experienced it if you know Jesus as your Savior. We've experienced his goodness and his greatness. And instead of lifting up his name, instead of being willing to serve him, instead we simply serve self. 
and we lift up our own name, there's something wrong. It shouldn't be about us. It shouldn't be about us. It should be about Him. I wonder this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking about this morning. I wonder this morning if there would be someone today You'd say, Pastor Andrew, I'm not sure. I'm not sure whether I'm saved or not. I'm not really sure if I died today where I would go. You know, I've, I've tried to be a good person. I go to church every once in a while. You know, I've tried some good things. But, Pastor, I'm going to be very honest. I'm not sure where I would go. Friend, nobody's looking about. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. But I would like to pray for you this morning. And my prayer cannot save you, but I want to pray that God would help you. But if you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, I'm not sure if I died where I would go. Would you just slip your hand up and put it right back down? Just very quickly and quietly. Nobody else is looking around. Just slip it up, put it right back down. Pastor, I'm not sure if I'm saved. God bless you. Somebody else. Just slip it up, put it right back down. Nobody's looking around. Yes, God bless you. Somebody else. Pastor, would you pray for me? I'm not sure if I'm saved. Just slip it up, put it right back down. Pastor, would you pray for me? I'm just not sure. I'd like to know. I'd like to be sure. I'd like to know for sure that if I died that I'd be with Jesus. Just slip your hand up and put it right back down. Pastor, would you pray for me? Anyone else this morning? Pastor, pray for me. Friend, in just a moment, we're going to have a, an invitation. The piano is going to play in just a moment. When the piano plays, we're going to have some folks down here at the altar in front. And if you raise your hand, you say, Pastor, that's me. I'd like to know how I could be saved. I'd like to know how I could have my sins forgiven. I could go to heaven to be with Jesus when I die. When the music begins to play, I'm going to invite you to come. You can just come and talk to them, and they'll take you, and they'll take the Word of God and show you how you can be saved, how you can have your sins forgiven. But Christian, can I ask you a question this morning as well? If you know Jesus as your Savior, you know, you know the greatness of God. You know His goodness. Now, can I ask you, are you praising Him for it? Are you lifting up His name? Are you serving Him? Or is your life still just about me and what I want? Friend, it shouldn't be. It ought to be about Him. His greatness, His goodness in our life should cause us to want to serve Him and want to praise Him for what He's done for us. It would be a great thing to follow David's example and say, every day, every day will I praise Him. Friend, there shouldn't be a day that goes by in our life that we don't praise and talk about the greatness and the goodness of our God. To others around us, so that they can know Him, to other believers, we ought to be talking about the greatness and goodness of our God. Father, I pray that you would bless in the invitation. Lord, you are such a great God. You want us to come to you. You sent your Son to die for us so that we could come to you, so that we could know you. You are such a good God. Your greatness is beyond what we could ever even imagine. It's unsearchable. Lord, I pray for those that raised their hand this morning that they're not sure if they're saved. They're not sure if they died 
where they would go. Lord, I pray this morning you'd help them to come so that they could know you. We could take the Word of God and show them how they could know Jesus as their Savior, to have that personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Lord, for Christians this morning, Lord, so many times we can be so selfish. Our life becomes all about me. And we forget how great of a God you are. We just serve self instead of serving you. God, I pray this morning you'd speak to our hearts. That we would be like David and say, I'm going to lift up the name of Jesus. I'm going to praise you daily and just talk about your greatness to others so that others can know about our great God. Father, would you work in the invitation now? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's just stand quietly to our feet this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. The piano is going to play softly right now. If you're a Christian here this morning and you know, hey, I'm not, I've not been praising the Lord like I should. I've not been living the life that God wants me to live. Maybe you need to come this morning and pray.